actually turn the thing on. It's a busy morning. But I wanted to be up here because I want to concentrate on what I have to say and I don't need to be behind something. So this was a series um, of a lot of services last year and then it's been a bit of a hiatus for several months and I wanted to pick it back up, a series uh, going through the parts of the service in no particular order and talking about why we do the things we do in the Sunday service. And um, today uh, is a little bit of a trick question because strictly speaking, um, the things that we're talking about um, are not part of the service, but they happen on Sunday morning. So the, the welcome and announcements at the beginning, the greeting time, which at the current moment is at the end, and the fact that they are just outside of the service is an important part of this answer. Why are they where they are and why do we have them at all when we have them? Now, if you, if you talk to Unitarian Universalist ministers, um, you know, if you're on a chat of colleagues uh, of, of mine, um, every six months or so there will be a big debate about announcements. Um, so uh, I, was, I was spared a lot of that debate here by the fact that the, um, clearly there, there had been one, because when I arrived in 2003, there was a new policy in place. And I was deeply grateful to the interim, uh, Kurt Kuwald. It's often the job of interims to say, you know what, can we fix this thing before the new minister comes in? And clearly one of the things that some people thought needed fixing were announcements. I can imagine what that might have been like, because I've been in other congregations that had not taken a step like ours. Um, what we have now is the person who's leading the service speaks the announcements. Once in a while we'll have something special like the justice partner. Otherwise, no, you, have, you hand your written announcement to the person who's leading it and, um, and there's at most three. That person can fudge that a little bit. They are at one sentence each. Again, that person can fudge at their discretion, but I'm pretty sure I know what was happening beforehand that gave rise to this policy. Um, because people can get up and make an announcement. Nobody ever knows how long they're speaking, including me. And, and it was just going on so long that people were feeling like, this is not what I've come here for. And I'm grateful that the people who set that next po the new policy in place, um, who I believe was the Sunday Services Committee, and I'm looking to resurrect that, so come on to the volunteer fair and talk to me if you're interested in doing something like that. Um, mostly they'll be doing, bringing guest speakers here. Um, I'm really glad that they did not decide to do away with announcements altogether. Now, many of my colleagues would argue that they should. You could certainly point out there's many other ways for us to get information about what's going on at church outside of services. Right now, we've got the video right here, and it shows before the services. That's great. Um, we have a website. We have a newsletter. There's many ways for people to get this information. They don't have to get it on Sunday morning, right? But I really like that we do, um, that we keep it short and limited and urgent. There's a certain uh, hierarchy of which things um, are the, we've decided are the most important. Um, of all the many, many things that go on, that they have to be announced on Sunday morning. But to me, it does a piece of what the service is all about, which is, as our title says, creating community. What happens at, the, at church that is sacred is not just in this hour. 
It's also all these groups that are here, it's what they do too. It's, it's the singing in the choir, not just the, the fact that you all sing on Sunday, but the singing that you do together on Thursday. That is a spiritual practice. It is the meeting of, of the finance committee, not just because, um, because you know, we just need money and, and somebody managing the money in order to run an organization, um, but because, as, as Kevin Crane put it beautifully when we were talking about it this week, well, you know what, I'm not gonna tell you what he said. Go to his table and you'll hear it because he's eloquent on the subject. Um, so much more than, than just crunching numbers. And, um, you know, the, if you're serving on the, doing copyright compliance, it's not only a nice thing to do if you're the kind of person who likes to just work alone uh, here and there when you can on your computer at home um, and know you're contributing to your community, but it's, um, it's enabling us to use fabulous music, know that we're doing right by the artists who create it and enable the creation of, of beautiful music out in our community. And that too is creating community, not just here, not just this circle of people, but the much wider community. I'll come back to that. But then this matter of greeting time. For this, I was here for uh, some recent history and I wanna fill you in a little bit about it. I don't know all the many incarnations that greeting time has taken in the history of this congregation, but I can tell you a little bit about what it was like when I got here. So we had, um, we had a time at the beginning of the service, we'd have the announcements, we'd have a hello everybody, and then we would invite people who were visiting um, or new to introduce themselves. And we had a handheld mic that we handed around. Um, so I noticed in, in the first many years I was here that mm, the preponderance of people who shared then were visiting from other UU congregations which is great, it's a nice sort of ambassadorship we do, and it was great to meet with somebody, oh, you, you're in the church in Castine, Maine, what's going on in Unitarian Universalism in Castine? And that kind of conversation. But, um, but I definitely noticed that um, the newcomers, local people who were trying to find their way into this community and who were gonna come back week after week, tended not to introduce themselves. But it took me a long time for this to click until I, I finally realized what it reminded me of. It's like, this is how I was taught to introduce um, people, just by watching my parents. I don't think they ever spelled it out. So I'm walking down the street with Ed and we're chatting away. And I see another friend of mine, um, Anna, coming towards us. And because I know Ed and I know Anna, it's on me to introduce them. I don't expect them to introduce themselves. They're both a little awkward, like, oh, I'm walking along with Amy, and now she meets this old friend, and I say, hi, Anna, I haven't seen you in ages. So I say, Anna, this is Ed, Ed, this is Anna, and that breaks the ice, and then they can talk. I said, that's what we should do. So we expanded our greeting time. We made it, let's really spend some time greeting each other. Let's make enough time to actually go and talk to some newcomers and ask them, Often the answer is no, people don't want a, a spotlight on them. But ask them, would you like me to then introduce you to, to everybody? Um, so we did that for a while. Then COVID kind of messed with that as it messed with a lot of things. And as we were thinking about how to bring this back, I had a conversation um, with a, a, I can't remember which committee right now, um, in which they said, hey, how about we have greeting time, but we do it at the end of the service? And I had to think about that for a minute because my first thought was, well, it's very important to me about how the service ends is that we can bring the feeling 
bring whatever we experienced in the service out into the rest of our lives. Um, that is why I don't like doing announcements at the end. Um, and I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any colleague who says, oh, we do announcements at the end because, you know, now the service is over. Say, no, 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 no. Announcements are great. I love, you know, they're about the community. We need people to know what's going on all through the week. But I, I don't want that tone to, to suddenly be there at the end of the service. I love the way we end with music, a blessing by the choir, a blessing by each other. But I thought, oh, greeting time, that carries that forward very nicely. Now we will take whatever we experienced and we'll bring it to somebody right next to us. And it'll encourage us to have a little bit of that deeper conversation. What Ed was saying, that maybe we can be a little vulnerable because we've just come from the service. And it's not just like, hey, nice weather today or, you know, how about those warriors? But, oh, you know, that piece of the choirs it just brought me to tears. You know, maybe we could share that. Or we could say to a newcomer, um, so what'd you think? You know, was, was anything interesting to you in the service? Tell me about it. Um, say to a friend, did we sing any of your favorite hymns today? Tell me about it. To invite some of that deeper conversation. Because, you know, the thing about creating community, the thing about having this as adjuncts to the service, set apart a little bit, but adjunct to it, is we're saying that what happens to us in this very private way, even though we're right next to people and singing together and speaking together and all that, in a way we're in each in this bubble of our, of our own private thoughts and feelings during the service. And then to say, yes, but that's not all that it is to be a person uh, with a spirit, a person who has ethical questions and spiritual quandaries and, and, and um, a whole life of the mind and the heart. No, it's part of being in a community. So this end of the service, this greeting time, can be a bridge to that. Just as it was when we had it at the beginning, a bridge from our everyday worlds into this, into this time. I try to separate it out a little bit by, as you notice, saying, um, after we've done the announcements at the beginning, I always say, and now let us begin our service. And then we have the prelude. That's my way of saying, what we have been doing isn't quite our worship yet. Now we go into this time of celebration, of praise, of contemplation, of, of moral wrestling, of all the things that we do with our services here as Unitarian Universalists. Um, but we do have it adjunct, not just some other place, some other time. And there's other things that go on that are really important for community creation um, here in these, these parts of the service. Again, so to give a little history of the greeting time, as I said, it was at the beginning. And when I started doing that, um, when I said, hey, let's try to have like a, a real kind of bustle of greeting time, we'll, there will be a fair amount of noise, and then I'll go around and bring the mic to anybody who wants to introduce somebody, et cetera. Um, Susan Plass, who, whom some of you know, she and her husband um, retired a couple of years ago and moved to Massachusetts where one of their daughters lives. So if you've come recently, you might not know Susan. Susan was never shy about talking to me about what she loved and, and didn't love about something I'd done in the service. It was great to, to talk about it with her because she really thought about, about ritual and, and how do you create the kind of space that we're trying to create. So she came to me and said, 
you know, I, I like people, you know, greeting each other, of course, but I just, when I come into the service, when I come in the morning, I want to just sit in silence. I want to just kind of meditate and have a quiet time and take that into the service, maybe some quiet music. And I knew just what she meant, because I've, I've been a church junkie since long before I was ever thought of being a minister. Um, you know, when I was a young Jewish kid and then an atheist, I would, if I went to New York City, I'd head straight for St. Patrick's and just sit in the quiet of the space. I just love those sort of spaces and, and what they hold and the beauty there. And I, so I understood what she meant and what we were giving up. And I've been to UU churches that start that way. Um, you come into the service and the usher says to you, and or it says on the order of service, um, please observe a quiet space here. Um, this is our, our meditative time before the service begins. And maybe somebody will be softly playing music or a soft recording playing, but it's very quiet. I thought, that is nice. But here's what I had been thinking, and I said this to Susan. You know, we're a very Silicon Valley congregation. Um, people are a little shy and introverted, visitors and people who've been here every time. We don't always know how to start a conversation. We kind of need a little practice in that. And I said, I think for people to find their way into this congregation, we're going to have to have structured ways and a little practice, frankly, at how do you make small talk and invite it to be more than small talk when you meet somebody new. I said, maybe when we get better at that and we feel like, okay, that's now a comfortable part of our congregational life, then we'll return to having, um, having a meditation and really make that formal. Say, so this is our meditative part of the service. Yeah, you know, the sound folks might be going around fixing some things. The worship associate and minister and, and um, musician might be having to touch base, but everybody will keep that very quiet so that you can come in in the time before the service and enjoy what uh, can be a sacred silence. Um, and now I'm thinking maybe we're there. Maybe we've done this and we're moving our greeting time to the end. Maybe the beginning can be that time for us to, to begin to do that. Think about that. We'll see how the greeting time at the end goes. We've only done it for a few weeks. You know, something we're, we're doing obviously today is this volunteer fair, which is a vivid illustration of how we create community beyond the service. And we're also having these conversations next week, and the, 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 the um, mission task force has already invited it online and is hosting other conversations. Um, we're talking about what UUCPA is for. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of partial answers to that. That really, in their, um, in their partialness, point me to, to what I think is so important and why the way we create community is so important. The why of why we create community is in there. Let me explain what I mean. So there's lots of things we do together as a congregation, right? We, we, um, we have intellectual opportunities. We have, we have learning together. Um, and that's, that's really important. But we're not like a community, we're not like an organization for whom that's the mission, for whom that's the purpose. Um, a school, that's their purpose, right? They say we're going to teach a certain group of people a certain amount of stuff in a certain way. That's our mission. If we do it, we're, we have fulfilled our mission. I don't think that's true of UUCPA. We have an excellent 
uh, children's religious education, youth and, and adult religious education program, but no matter how good they are, if that was all that was thriving here, we wouldn't be carrying out our mission. And, and the justice work we do, so important. Um, but we're not a social justice organization or an environmental justice organization. You know, the su success of an environmental justice organization, such as many of us support and belong to, is, uh, okay, we're trying to reverse climate change. And to the extent that we're having an impact on, on climate change, we are fulfilling our mission. Um, and that's something we all try to do here at UUCPA, but that's not, our, that's not our whole mission either. Like, if we were only doing that, that would be fabulous, but we would have missed something. I could go on with all our kind of parts of our lives here at UUCPA, but I'm thinking particularly of the service. Because the service is very much a part of personal transformation, right? To transform ourselves. As I said, there's a, there's a sort of intimacy, a privacy to the space we're in, even though we're together and doing it communally, and that's so important. But we wouldn't be fulfilling our mission if we were just changing in here. Because one of the things that we come here to realize is that individuals, well, they're not individuals, we're all interconnected. To quote another Buddhist teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, he says, it's not that we are, we inter-are. This is something Buddhist philosophers have been saying in much more complex language for a long time. Back to Nagarjuna, back to Dogen Zenji, and along comes this humble Vietnamese monk and says it in very simple 20th century language for all of us who did not study those people. We inter-are. Everything is interconnected. And so, for example, and so our being, we don't fully understand our being until we understand the way we are interacting with the outside world. Thank you for the illustration. It was just, <laughs> just vivid and perfectly timed. Thank you. We are part of a wider world. We are connected to each other. And so when we talk about community, we're not just talking about creating this community. That's our practice for becoming aware of how we're interconnected with the much wider community of all beings, of this whole earth and everything that, that lives on it. And whatever we do in this hour is not complete until we've made that connection. And so this greeting time that happens afterwards helps us to make that connection. It's the bridge to each other so that we realize, I inter-am with all of you. And it's carrying me into all the things the church does through the week and the things that I do through the week. It's carrying me to my family life and my school and my work and my interactions in my neighborhood and in the wider world. And it's It's why I think the mission question for a congregation is so special and, and interesting. Because as I said, I belong to an environmental justice organization, but I don't feel when, I, when it's fulfilling its mission, I'm glad and I want to support it, and it's fulfilling a piece of what I want to do in my life. But it's not fulfilling my mission, my purpose as a human being. And I feel like when we ask, what is the mission of our congregation? If we're doing it right, if we have a really strong sense of what that mission is, 
That answer in a, is, is very similar to the answer of what is the purpose of your life, each one of us. Not that we all have exactly the same purpose, but that knowing what that purpose is and living it out, well, that's, that's why we come to a UU congregation, to do that, to be the people we want to be. So I actually haven't voted in the, in the survey. I mean, it's not a vote, it's a survey. I hope you fill it out. It's short and fascinating. Um, so of course I looked at the questions, but I'm not, I'm not gonna fill out the Mission Task Forces survey um, unless they specifically ask me to, because I, here I am. I have a lot of say in what I think the mission of the congregation is, and really my job as the minister is to, to aid them in aiding you to discover what the mission is, and then I help you carry it out. Um, but when I think about why I come to a UU congregation, it is that. It's my mission as a person. My purpose as a person and the purpose of the congregation come together. This congregation's work in the world, like mine, is for each of us to live fully in this little time on this beautiful planet that we have. And to live in a way that acknowledges, that feels as much as possible, because it's so hard to feel sometimes, that we do all interconnect and overlap, that my being is not just the being of this, this one instance of homo sapiens, that we inter-are. I want to know that. I want this community to help me to know that. So it's not just the how we create community that's a question here, it's the why. And we create community so that we can feel, oh, that's what it's like. That moment of connection made me choke up when Ed spoke of it with somebody after the service. I'm practicing trying to feel that with the birds out there and the trees and that neighbor who's really giving me trouble, and the whole world. To help us to know our why, which is the community of all beings. Thank you for being a part of that.